0: Welcome to Career-ish, a podcast that explores the idea of what it means to build a career while just proving that building one has to be intimidating, scary, or completely planned. My name is Richard Sylvester, and I want to thank you for joining me on today for Episode 1 of Season 2, where I sit down to interview Dr. Tricia Zelaya-Leon, the new director of the CCPD. But before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know that This week's episode of Career-ish is brought to you by the CCPD's YouTube channel. Check out our new YouTube channel where you can catch new content like Career-ish Uncut. Career-ish Uncut is our new video series where you can watch the full, unedited video versions of these edited podcasts. You can also check out our two-minute workshop series where you can learn how to use LinkedIn and the K-Alumni directory to find connect, and network with K-Alumni in your major or area of interest. Other new video content is currently in development, so be sure to check back regularly. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com backslash That's youtube.com backslash ccpd And one more time, that's youtube.com backslash CCPD. So Trisha is still fairly new to the college as she just started this past September of 2020. As the new director of the CCPD, I thought it would be really fun to sit down and chat with her about her own career journey, as well as discussing the new direction of the CCPD, and some of the new things she hopes to bring to Kay that she learned as the director of the Career Center at Rollins College. We sat down and had a great conversation for over an hour, but as I said in the preview episode, this season's episode will be much shorter and easier to digest in one sitting. So this is actually the first part of our conversation, and you will hear the second part in a couple weeks during our next regular episode release. But that's enough for me for now. So after the short musical break, the next voices you will hear is my interview with Dr. Trisha Zelaya Leon. Be right back. So my guest this week is the new director of the CCPD, uh, Dr. Tricia Zelaya-Leon. Um, She started with us back at the beginning of September, and before this, she was the director of the Career Center at Rollins for four years, and I'm super excited to have this conversation with her, because even though we've been working together for a while, there's plenty of questions in here that I don't know anything about, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun that both I and you as the audience are going to learn about her together. So, Tricia, welcome to my show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So the first question I'm going to ask you is how are you adjusting to Kalamazoo? Because one of the things that I think most people wouldn't know is that you just uh, recently relocated here with your family this past November and Rollins is actually located in in Florida. So the question I have is like, are you regretting taking this job yet?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't believe how many emails start with, are you sad that you moved from Florida and now you're in Michigan? Um, Yeah, I... (laughs) This has been an adjustment. Um, However, I am. Oh, and by the way, uh, for those that might see this, this is my dog, Brutus. So he is he's with me as well. Um, I am originally from Ohio. And so I I did some time in Ohio. I've I've worked in Illinois and Indiana and so the Midwest is is not new to me. This weather is not new to me. And yes, there was a reason. I moved to Florida. That job in Rollins was interesting because I was like, wow, it'd be really nice to live down South. What's that like? And so I was there for seven years and I did soak up that sun, soak up that weather. Uh, But when the opportunity to come uh, back to the Midwest presented itself, I was very excited because I, my family is still in Ohio, so I'm a lot closer. We don't have to worry about flights anymore. And I do have a couple of kids who have loved the snow, they've made their first snow angels and uh, thrown snowballs at one another. And so it kind of brought me back to the whimsy of being around the winter. I still hate winter. I still hate snow and Mm -hmm. cold, but at least being with a couple of kids who this is their first time and it's all so innocent to them, it makes it a little bit more palatable, but I will say I am definitely looking forward to the spring and the summer and actually having seasons again, because down in Florida you only really get the the heat. And so there weren't changing of, of leaves, colors. And so it was kind of weird watching football when it was 85 degrees. Mm-hmm. So I, I am excited for that.
0: I don't know, as somebody who's lived in Michigan for at least most of my adult life, I think that maybe seasons might be a little bit overrated for myself. And I'm definitely one of those people like, you know what actually looks really good? Christmas lights on a palm tree. <laughs> So eventually I might want to be those people that kind of like leaves this for warmer weather, but not quite yet.
1: Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird because I would see those palm trees with the the lights and I would see people with uh, doormats that say, let it snow as it's, you know, <laughs> 95 degrees outside. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, y'all do you. They've never seen the snow. So uh, I definitely, it was just weird. <laughs>
0: So before we actually get into uh, the breadth of the interview, I always like to start from the very beginning. Um, and so you mentioned um, that home for you is in Ohio. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Ohio. I am originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm from a small town called Milford, which is uh, on the east side of of Cincinnati, and um, it's it's not a big not a big town at all. It's actually about nine miles from the Kentucky border. So um, it's, it's more South it's, it's a South Southern part of Ohio. And so even when I say that I'm used to the Midwest weather, it was still pretty mild there. And uh, when it did snow, school would get canceled pretty quickly because the roads, you know, we lived in like kind of a rural area. So there weren't always paved roads or uh, people just had long distances on buses and things. So it would just a little bit of snow would shut that place down. There wasn't always enough salt Mm -hmm. and uh, other things. So now being here when we got like 10 inches of snow and, I still see school buses going down the road. That's that's very foreign, <laughs> foreign to me. But um, but I you know that's my that's my home. That's where my extended family still is, where my mom still is, and I loved that time. I loved Ohio. I mean, that's where I I uh, actually went to school. I went to undergrad at Ohio University and uh, went there to study Spanish and Spanish education. I had a knack learning languages, loved taking Spanish classes all throughout high school. And so I thought, you know what, I think I want to be a Spanish teacher. So why don't I go to school and and go for Spanish? And so that was my plan. I went, I excelled in Spanish classes and senior year, I did my student teaching and I took my praxis (laughs) uh, exams and I had certification to teach uh, K through 12 Spanish. My hope had actually been to teach elementary school Spanish because um, you know, we have this thing called a language acquisition device where when we are younger, we can absorb language a lot easier than when we're older. You probably have met lots of people that took four years of Spanish and can't speak a lick of it after, after high school. But there are people who learned it in kindergarten and, are able to speak it because that's just when language is uh, more easily acquirable. And so
0: hmm.
1: I wanted to teach those those little kids. And then, uh, and I, so I did my student teaching in winter. We were on quarters too. So, you know, okay, we have quarters and a lot of other places are on semesters. I actually loved being a student at a school that was quarters because I could take a ton of classes in one year. Whereas on semesters, you really can only take like four classes for 16 weeks. And so I uh, did my student teaching that winter and was fully prepared to find a job and and be ready to go. And at the time I had been been an RA for uh, four years or three years at OU. And uh, at the end of the winter, my supervisor said, hey, um, did you know that you could go on to get a master's degree in college student personnel and work like professionally on a college campus? And I said, I guess I never thought about that. I didn't know anything about that. And she said, well, they're accepting applications to the graduate school and we'd love to have you be a graduate hall director. And if you get into the grad school program, they'll pay for your tuition and you'll get free room and board and you know all these other benefits. You can continue working in res life. and uh, And so I was ultimately... I had gotten accepted also into the master's program for Spanish at OU, and I was offered a TA ship. Um, And so I was at this crossroads of, do I go into what I thought was like my dream of being a Spanish teacher, and maybe I could be a Spanish professor or something, and I could TA and do teaching, or do I do what I've learned that I love, like being an RA, working with students, being in a residence hall, the college environment is really dynamic and exciting. And I could learn more about that. And there are these additional benefits that I didn't know about. Uh, and, and so I ultimately chose to go into the master's for college student personnel at OU. And um, and so I took the graduate hall director job and it was all new. It was a whole new ballgame for me. Um, and because I, you know, I'm a first gen college student, nobody else in my family had ever been to college before. And so even the idea of going on for a master's degree was very new to me. And, um, and being an RA, nobody, I didn't know what an RA was before I got to college. I barely knew what it was in my first year until I had an RA say, Hey, you could be an RA. And, and honestly, the financial benefit was, was really um, an incentive for me, but I found that I loved it. And, um, and I'll tell you that master's program was probably, it was so life-changing because I, I got to be in a cohort of people who were all very different from me we were all from different walks of life. And I was one of two who actually was, had done their undergrad at OU and everybody else had come from all these different schools. And so I looked back and I was like, man, maybe I should have gone to, to a different school for my master's, but I was, I was kind of their educator in terms of like, here are things to do in the Athens area. Here's the culture of OU and all these other people were coming from different places. So it was, it was kind of nice to have that knowledge and, uh, and to be able to to stay at a place that I, I really loved. Athens, Ohio is a beautiful area, a beautiful community. That campus was gorgeous. Um, there are parts of K that remind me a lot of OU, like the brick, the colonial yep. architecture, the green, I imagine it's green. <laughs> I, I haven't actually <laughs> been at K long enough to, to see the greenery yet. But, um, you know, so that was, that was awesome. And I, I actually, uh, DL Stewart was one of my faculty members when I was at OU. And so they gave me such um, a wonderful foundation into what student development is like and the history of of higher education and all the opportunities that exist in higher ed. And so um, that really began my love of of working on a college campus. And so after that, I uh, applied to a bunch of different schools to for my first job after I got that master's degree and I wanted to be a hall director. I loved res life uh, to this day. I, I will say that working in res life was my favorite job ever and also the most exhausting job ever because I lived where I worked and yep. I was constantly uh, meeting students and helping them and you know, dealing with helping them manage independence and living with someone else and living with other people, being in a community, all of that. It it prepared me for pretty much every job that came after.
0: So the question I want to ask you, um, based on something you said earlier, um, this idea of you started off wanting to uh, be a Spanish teacher how did that come about? Like, do you have a clear idea of just like, was it something that you like you saw people around you doing or was it something that you were influenced to do?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people always um, ask me about my last name and uh, it's Celaya. And so my dad is from Nicaragua Um, and I didn't grow up with him. So my parents divorced when I was very young. And so he wasn't around until I was much older. And so I, I, There are times I'm like, I wish I knew more about Nicaragua and his culture and all of that. And I wish that I had um, grown up with the language, but I didn't. So I, I wasn't fluent in Spanish, but I found when I started taking Spanish classes in high school, I had a knack for the accent and um, and it just, it sounded, it came naturally to me to the point where when I did actually uh, travel to Spain after I graduated from college there, when I was there for that amount of time, it I sounded like I was actually a native speaker of Spanish. And so I think there was just something innate about it that when I was told you do really well at this, you're really good at this, you sound like a native speaker. Um, when you get that kind of positive feedback, you think, well, if I'm good at something, I should just go and get degrees in it and work and make that my job. Um, And, and I liked it. It wasn't something that I was like, Oh, I'm just going to do this because I'm good at it. It really was. I liked student teaching. You know, I, 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 um, actually student taught alongside another friend of mine who was a Spanish major. And she had a really negative experience student teaching. It was not something that she wanted to do. She was like, oh my gosh, what did I get into? And this was the winter quarter of our senior year. So we only had one quarter left before we were graduating. was <laughs> a so, really
0: challenging time to figure out you don't like it.
1: Yeah. And I felt super bad for her because she was like, this is not the path for me. And I was like, oh man, all I could think was, well, Glad that's not me because I really did like it. Um, But again, I, I now being in the career services world, I see that as, man, we have to have these experiences earlier, as early as possible so that you don't get stuck, especially with teaching. We all can remember back to a teacher that you could tell did not like their job. And they mm-hmm. it made it feel like they were taking it out on you. And so that definitely impacts the people that you, you work with. Uh, and so it was, it was this beauty, the sweet spot that we always talk about, like doing what you love, doing what you're good at and what you can get paid for. And yet I, I came at a crossroads of, do I do what's comfortable? I could have gone on and gotten my master's in Spanish, done the TA thing, probably taught And, um, and that would have been comfortable for me, but I decided instead to go a different route into something that was completely new and challenging, uh, and dynamic and, um, and I, I don't look back on that as any kind of regret. I look back on it as actually I do. I do teach. I am an educator and I, I especially like talking to Spanish majors about how to parlay their their Spanish uh, degree and experience into whatever may come next for them, because it isn't and not everything is linear. You're not, you're not going to some people want to be Spanish teachers. And so that's what they're going to do but there are plenty of other language majors that go on and work in all different kinds of industries. And that to me is really exciting.
0: So one of the questions I'm curious about is when it came time to make the decision to go to graduate school for the first time and do a master's degree, Like, how did you get to the point where you were comfortable in doing that? Because I imagine as a first-generation student, like probably a lot of advice you were getting is just like, You got a bachelor's. You should actually probably go up there and start earning money. And so, like, you can't necessarily like turn to your normal support system because, like, they don't even know what that even means. Except for you're just going to continue to be in school for forever at this point. So, like, how did you make that decision and know that it was the right move for you?
1: Um, I'll say I am uh, an achiever by definition, and so I think um, I always look at other people around me and think wow they that's a really smart person how they get so smart i want to be like them Um, and even that was the case when i was in high school i i i always wanted to go to college my mom didn't tell me to go to college it was just kind of uh had a guidance counselor who just asked me where i wanted to go to college not if i was going to go to college but where Mm -hmm. i was like oh i guess uh let me look into some colleges that I don't know that I can afford that, but I guess you're you think I should go. And so I was very lucky in undergrad to be in a a residence hall my first year that was um it was substance free. I lived in the substance free learning community. And you might be oh, saying I'm hey free. when you're 18 years old shouldn't all learning Mm -hmm. communities be substance free we've
0: all been to college also
1: (laughs) but I um I I was placed in this living I didn't choose this learning community because I actually had to move out of my first hall and uh I found all these friends who chose to be there and they all I think all of them had parents that went to college and they all had these really um, specific plans of what they wanted to do. They were very ambitious and very focused on their, their academics. And uh, it was like the right crowd. You know how sometimes you can, you get in with the right crowd or the wrong crowd. They yeah. definitely were the right crowd for me. And um, and they taught me a lot. And, and they were where I learned about master's programs and what that meant and getting graduate degrees because they all wanted to do that. One of them wanted to be a music educator. So she was in the, the band and choirs and things and so she knew she had to get a master's to do that another wanted to be a social worker and she knew she had to get a master's to, and they had already done all this research and i had never done that i was like oh, i'm gonna be a spanish teacher this is just this is a pretty linear kind of path and so um when they all were applying to graduate schools and that was a part of their plan i was just like oh well that that makes sense for me uh so i'll go on to get my master's degree in in, in teaching and, and spanish um And then, you know, I had a supervisor in Res Life that had a master's in college student personnel. And so I learned from them what that was all about and how I could, I could talk about my identity and my experiences and learn from other people about their college journeys and all of that. And that's what I was going through at the time. I was journeying through college without knowing anything about it. I would love, you know, I was like, that'd be cool to talk with other people about how they got to college and how they've moved through it and how they have made meaning of it. Um, that was all really just talking to other people and having really good influences around me. Um, because I, you know, my mom, Nobody, nobody went to to grad school. And, uh, and frankly, had I not been able to get an assistantship to pay for it, I don't know that I would have, I would have been able to go because that wasn't, that wasn't something that was financially feasible for me. So uh, I'm really grateful to all the friends that were around me being good influences and to supervisors that pushed me and said, consider this. We would love to have you on our team. And here are the the supports that you could you could see. I, I wouldn't have known where to begin with any of that without people pushing me along.
0: You know, I do think that there really is something to the idea about um, being, well, I should say two things. One is that like sometimes just the kismet of falling into things. Um, And two, like how your options are oftentimes um, sometimes defined for you or sometimes maybe even limited for you is the better way of just like what your possibility spaces is is so defined by just like what is around you. And sometimes it really does taking, um, doing something else or expanding your worldview even a little bit. And it's almost kind of like coming out of a tunnel and just be like, oh my gosh, there's so much more on the other side that I just had no idea even existed.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, um, college students won't want to hear this, but age gives you some of that perspective, mm-hmm. right? I, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I, I say to everyone, just trust me, trust mm-hmm. that this it's good for you to feel uncomfortable. It's good for you to try something that you've never tried before. It's good to look at a position description that looks a little scary or that you don't have all the qualifications for because that, that scary stuff is the stuff that really does make you grow. And it shows you who you are and it's probably going to open a door that you just never knew existed. I mean, I, I never thought I, I wanted to be that Spanish teacher. I do very similar things now, but I didn't even know that being a career center director was on the, the realm, in the realm of possibility for me. And my goodness, how, how exciting to be able to do that now. If I could go back and tell my 18-year-old self, this is where you'll be, I would be like, what's that mean? I don't even know what any of that's about. I never went to my career center as an undergraduate. My goodness, could you imagine where I might be Mm -hmm. had I actually done it? I don't know.
0: That actually leads me to actually a really great question. Like if you could go back and knowing what you know now about where your career ends up, like what would the advice that you give yourself about your career?
1: Uh, I would say, don't, don't get so stuck in time time really is just a concept because I, I was a very big planner. I had my four year plan. I had it all set out. These are the courses I will take in my first year, second year, third year, fourth year. Uh, I never missed a meeting with my advisor. My advisor didn't, I didn't need my advisor to be honest. I went in, I had a list of things to tell my advisor. She checked off on it and said, good to go. You are ahead of the game. You're amazing. Um, I knew exactly what I, I wanted and I knew the path that I needed to get there. But, I didn't build in uh, any kind of wandering time. I didn't build in time for study abroad. And I, I tell myself to this day, I didn't have time to study abroad. I wouldn't have been able to graduate in four years had I studied abroad. I feel like that is a, a lie that I've told myself um, <laughs> simply because I had it so stacked that I didn't fill it with anything. And so if I could go back, I would be like, Trisha, just fit that study abroad time in there. There's gotta be a way for you to do it. You gotta go talk to somebody about that. Um, and I just never did. And so I have been abroad since then on my own, but man, I look at all these students that go abroad now, and just the great, rich experiences that they get. And I think, you know, I had a great time in college. I have so much that I learned. It's made me who I am, but that would have really given me just that extra layer of, of recognizing uh, my place in the culture and in society and that understanding of intercultural fluency that was just really um, unbeknownst to me at the time
0: and welcome back i hope that you are enjoying the conversation so far in the second half you'll hear trisha talk about some of her new plans for the future as well as some new resources that students should be sure to check out. But that's enough for today, and it's time for me to get out of here. Now, before we wrap up this episode, I want to ask you for two quick favors. First, if you are listening to this right now, would you please share it with your friends? This podcast is produced with current case students in mind. We realize that we are going to have a lot of listeners that aren't current case students, and while we appreciate each and every listener, we want to make sure that our current students think that this podcast is useful to them. So please share it with them and let them know about it. Second, would you please rate us, review us, and give us five stars on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Giving us five stars helps us get visibility and make sure that we get into the ears of the people who need to hear this the most. Career-ish is produced by the Center for Career and Professional Development at Kalamazoo College. The intro music is a song called Never Forget by Raj, featuring Christopher Sims. The outro music is a song called Friendshippers by Dave Fox. Information on where you can find all of the music included in this show, including the bumper music and the links for our socials, can be found in the show notes of this episode. I want to thank my colleagues in the CCPD for helping to produce this show. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Your time is valuable, and it means a lot that you would spend yours here with me. Until next time, thank you for listening, stay safe, and see you next time. Take it easy